say my boys, I raised them playing golf. One of the reasons was, is I knew at a later time, I remember my father and myself, we were able to play golf together. And guys are kind of strange. We don't sit there and uh, get together and have these talks, you know, just like talk. Uh, we we got to be doing something, you know, shooting a gun, hitting a golf ball or whatever. So I knew that that would be valuable later in life from a relationship standpoint. And also, though, um, I was trying to be very careful to what I'm going to speak about today of, of trying to keep a holy emphasis. And there were some difficulties when we got them in some leagues to be able to be competitive and play golf, but they had to stand alone in some areas. One of those areas was I asked them to wear slacks when they play. When young boys play these days, golf, it's the shorts, you know. And there's, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with it, but I just felt like this is the standard that I want the, the boys to have. And they obeyed me in that standard, and it always brought up questions. And so, uh, which which was very interesting. They had to, to stand alone in that. So the message today is going to be centered around what holiness is. Okay? What is holiness? And I want you to understand that holiness is when I grew up in the Catholic Church, and one thing I appreciate about the Catholic Church is they had a sense of holiness, at least when I went back then. I don't know what it is like now. But you go into the sanctuary, and things are quiet. You behave. You don't do a, a lot of associating. There was a kind of a holy atmosphere. So it kind of tended me to think that holiness is like this uh, You know, with the Baptist Church, one of the things I'd like to see changed in the typical Baptist Church, I think fellowship is great and wonderful, but sometimes it tends to lack holiness because of it. You start, you don't think about things. We're in the presence of God when we come to church. And so I'd like to see that restored back in the, but that's religion for you. So let me talk a little bit about that. So holiness. Holiness is, I hope you will see it. I hope God speaks to your heart like he did mine. And, I, and I'm making some visuals up here because this is how I saw it in my mind. But holiness is a place. I hope you'll find that. And whatever decisions you make with your family, raising your children and whatever you do, that will all depend Father, just ask, Lord, that you may help us to be holy. Father, be a holy people, to be a holy church. Help us to see this like we've never saw it before. May it speak to our hearts. May, it, may we see where that place is. And may we desire it in our lives and in our children's lives in the church. Oh, God. That place. So, Father, I pray you bless the preaching of your word this morning, as unusual as it might be. May you just use it for your honor and your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. I have the light. 
God's way. Um, I want to read another F.B. Meyer, a British pastor and evangelist, once emphasized the need for humility with a helpful word picture. I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves one above another, and the taller we grow, the easier we can reach them. Now I find that God's gifts are all on shelves one beneath another, and the lower we speak, the harder we get. Just some wise words. But speaking of holiness, it takes a hunger for God and a humility for God. I'm going to add something else. And remember, this is the road. This road has two ditches to it. I'll call ditch one legalism and ditch number two liberalism. Now, if you notice, uh, you can see it real well, it's kind of hard to see. In my road lines, I put the church. Okay? The church is to be the, the portion that guides and holds and keeps holiness. Okay? God expects nothing less than the church to be a place of holiness and preaching of holiness. But ditch one, we have legalism. Ditch number two, liberalism. Now in the church, we're going to have to have leadership by example. That's going to keep you from going off into the wrong areas of legalism or into, on the other side, teaching and doctrine or going into liberalism. Okay? Because you're going to find all sorts of things, all sorts of justifications for stuff. You better know the Word of God. You better have a, I pray that this church, beyond me, will be one that will stand on the Word of God, that will teach correctly the Word of God, and that the leadership will really be the right example. I'm going to talk a little bit about standards, but there will be standards that are expected from leadership. Not because they are biblical, but because they are right and they support the teaching and the doctrine. People who come to church need to see that. Without that, it's a failing church. Without good doctrine, it's going to be a failing church. Because liberalism is going to come in on one side, or legalism in many different forms are going to come in on the other side. This is why 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, this is a true saying. If a man desire, I like that word desire, because you're going to see that. We're not to, to, to preach because we have to, because there's a desire to. If a man desired the office of a bishop, he desired the good work. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife. And you're going to find in churches that this is more important. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given the hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth his own house, his own house, well, his own house, 
having his children in subjection with all gravity. For a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church? Not a novice. I didn't say you have to be an expert, okay? But not a novice. Lifted up with pride, lest you fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, you must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, must the deacons be great, not double tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives. Be great, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself, where? In the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar round of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of God, and as God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Those are some precious words. I, just, I love the poetry of that, that last thing. Well, it's interesting. We just talked about this verse. First uh, Peter 5 1, the elders which are among you, I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He says, Feed the flock of God, which is among you. Peter just talked about this this morning. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willing. Not for filthy lucre. You ever call pastor? The pastor is not some career. It's a calling. But some people just want to build up to the, the biggest thing it can be. But of a ready mind. Now listen to this, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples of the flock. I am to be an example. That's my that's the highest thing I need to do. But you will find, I've seen this in churches where pastors can't cross the line of being lord over the people. The problem with that is is the pastor then becomes their lord. What they say, what the pastor says. I'm a pastor. I'm a, you know, I'm a, this one, I'm a Paul. I'm a, you don't have a lord anymore, the lord God. You have a pastor who's telling you what to do, right or wrong, or indifferent. Oh, not the way God wants us. Lording over the flock is man's control. And I've seen men build churches and end up churches. 
Bible Day churches, but some of them, as they know how to work people, push people, Lord, people, get them to do what they want to do, they're good businessmen. They know how to do it. Religion, we better be careful of that. It's man's idea. It's the way man's control, man's ideas, and then morality. And you'll see this in the churches, in some churches, but everything's about morality and doing what's right. And little, little simple messages of right and wrong. And those are all good, but that's not according to That's trying to tell you what man's standards are. Now, on the liberal side, 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It doesn't say partial. It's either loving God or loving the world. There's no mixture in that, but yet aren't we seeing the mixture of that in our churches today? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world wants your life, but it's a temporal life. And it just fills you If we are not to be influenced by the world, we are to be influenced by the will of God, which it says, abideth forever. There's another problem. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Sin. Sin will keep us from holiness. Okay. We need to do everything we can to keep ourselves from sin. Now, we're going to get down to where the rubber is the road. Here is your job. We kind of talked about the leadership and the design of the church. But let's talk about your part in holiness. It's a personal relationship. It's a relationship that you have. It's between you and God. I remember things that were taught. I remember in 1 Peter 5 hearing somebody talk about that and that just working in my heart in life when it was talking about what a pastor is, how he should feed the body. God, I remember the message. I don't remember the man. Thank you for his name. That's good because God should. Read the lead saying, Oh, a great pastor over here. And I've had some people, and there's, there is some really wonderful men of God who are just tremendously gifted. I, I love them. I listen to them. But if your relationships in them, your relationships in the wrong place. Every good pastor wants you 
to get a close relationship with God. He wants you to know. He wants you to understand. He wants you not to give to the church because, you know, it's your responsibility. Tithing is, and it can lord over you and force you. There's a tithe in there, that's obvious, but let me tell you what. He didn't tell you how to do something. He doesn't tell you to That was everything. When Christ came, he wants you all. He has shown us himself. And there's nothing for us. Whether someone comes to the church, whether it's helping people, whatever God has, it's raising children, all those things, it's for others, it's for Christ. 100%. The church is going to start to be done. I want you to be very special So, personal relationships, and then I'm going to put in here, I'm going to put standards where they need to be. Standards are not. Something you go in the Bible and say, the Bible says this or that. It's not a list of to do's. It's not a list of where your uh, dress a certain length and this and that, and wear your hair this way, or don't do this or don't do that. Here's where standards need to be. Because personal standards are the blockade to liberalism. It's at your door, folks. When you hold up a standard, you help prevent those things from coming in. It's a good thing. I went to the homeschoolers convention downtown with Patty and Beth and Abby. And uh, I said, you go look around. I'm going to sit down for a while. Um, I don't really necessarily enjoy a lot of that. There's a few things. So I go to see I'm not just observing. I observe the average family. On the homeschoolers uh, convention, there's typically, it's Christians. Okay? Um, there's a lot of Christian materials, but it's very overly Christian. It's not the world coming in. So you kind of get a look, a slice of what, at least from a visual standpoint, what Christianity is looking like. I'm a child of creator. I dress and act like a child of creator. Now, overall, it was a nice crowd. Overall, I didn't find, like, ooh, just totally modest. Well, maybe for some, it might be totally modest. You know, okay, what I've seen was most, I would say, predominantly, most of the women had very very tight slides. Very tight. I mean, literally, I thought, I don't know if you have a vacuum or not. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you And, like, slips in the jeans and stuff. And I'm not saying that hard is wrong. 
Understand the image of that That's the world stuff. That's because they fit in. They're insecure. Or we need to be secure in Christ. We don't have to do what the world does to fit in. Be. If you're the only one who does it, it's fine. I mean, there's all sorts of things. There's phones that get little kids' phones, and so they, you know, and all that stuff in school. You know? You may homeschool. I'm not saying that homeschool is biblical. It's not <coughs> But I'll say this. If you send your kids to public school, you better help them with something. They can't have them. I've known of some. Daddy's known of some who took a stand in public places. Where we are as a church. We talked about the church itself. We talked about your responsibility. Let's talk about our responsibility in including that. Ephesians 4 2 with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Hey, we're just a bunch of human people growing. It's going to take some forbearance. You're going to have to forbear me in some things. I'm going to have to forbear you in some things. That's just a part of it. Any family has to do that. Then it says forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. I want to read it. Story about forgiveness. This is one of those things that doesn't come easy with us, it. not our ways, but it's God's ways. Corey Ten Boom, who spent nearly a year in Nazi concentration camps for her crime of sheltering Jews in Holland, there's a little thing for Holland for you, Abby, right there, shared a powerful testimony of forgiveness. Years after the war, she traveled to churches sharing her testimony of God's faithfulness and the way he enabled her to forgive her captors who had so cruelly treated her and her family. After one service, she was receiving guests in the lobby when she saw a man in the line who had been one of the most vicious guards at Ravensburg. When she recognized him, she felt physically ill and could not bear to think of talking to himself. Put yourself in as he approached her, it was obvious that he did not recognize her. He reached out his hand to shake hers and said a fine message, Bowen. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. She remained frozen, partly in terror, partly in disgust. He continued, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard in there. But since that time, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Paul. Again, he reached out his hand. Will you forgive me? Corey later wrote, as I stood there, I whose sins had... Every day to be forgiven and could not, 
Betsy, her sister, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. A forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of a will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus helped me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder. Right into our joined hand. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried. In the For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely. She was a place of holiness. Forgive it. We need to forgive each other. I mean, we just even have a little squabble sometimes or something. Yeah, just, we need to forgive each other. We need to bear each other's burdens. We need to be long-suffering. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good. We are to edify each other. Edify means to build, not tear down. Not tear down. And so this is our responsibility as a family and church to build each other up. And then 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. So what I want to do is bring you to a place of holiness. A place where the word of God becomes where legalism and religion and things aren't our driving motive of what we claim. Where we're guarded against the world and liberalism because it's not welcome and we invite it. But to keep those out, to have a personal relationship with people, to grow in the Lord, in your relationship, in your reading of the Word of God, in your prayers, in your heart, in your crying out to God, and you're hearing things in the church and letting that work in your life for good. Be on closer. Be close. 
separated from all that and with Rome and with who Jesus Christ is. And that peace and that wonderful feeling amongst all that's going on around us. I'm going to read now the words to this song. In a moment, we're going to hold down our heads and close our eyes and ask what God will have for us in our life. <clears throat> So I'm going to read the words first before we start playing page 509. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with our Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak. Forgetting in nothing his blessings to seek. Take time to be holy. The world, precious on that right side of that chart, the world is rushing after it. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus like him, thou shalt be. Thy friends in thy conduct, his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy. Let him be thy God. And run, not before him, whatever be tied, in joy or in sorrow, still follow thy Lord, and looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each motive beneath his control. Thus led by his spirit to fountains of love, thou soon shall be fitted for service. Both bowed and eyes closed and the hands playing that song.